0: Hey, everybody. This is Barca Talk. I'm Brian. With
1: me, as usual, is Gabriel Quiroga. Hello, Brian, my uh, Barca brother from a different mother and fellow Kules. Welcome <laughs> to the show.
0: <clears throat> yeah, and uh, we, we're we starting today. We just finished watching the Las Palmas match, and there's all kinds of political stuff going on around that so we're gonna we're gonna kick the show off with that We'll you know we're gonna circle back around to the Champions League match earlier in the week and some other news surrounding the club in a bit but the top story for today is easily having to do with the um, referendum effort in Catalonia and the action taken by the central government of spain uh sending more and more uh, civil guard police into the region confiscating ballot boxes um plenty of photos have been showing up on social media uh showing you know of course the the heart ones are like old ladies with blood on their heads having been beaten by police but then there's also a, a good number of uh, perfectly normal photos of people voting happily, peacefully. So that was nice. But uh, but that whole situation is um, the, the biggest news coming out of the region right now. And it, uh, it affected the game against Las Palmas. And uh, so that's what we're going to get into right now. What are your initial thoughts being in Spain right now, Gabriel?
1: Yeah, so today I went uh, to a brunch this morning and all around Madrid right now, A lot of people have their Spanish flags in the balconies, which is a, which is a uh, stark contrast to when I was in Barcelona, which they had the opposite. They had these flags that said C, which meant for independencia. So here today, for example, there was a lot of marches in a lot of cities around Spain, uh, supporting the government and obviously all the things that are happening in Barcelona. Uh, I have been watching videos and news and trying to keep, uh, Up to date with everything, but uh, it's kind of uh, confusing for me because I'm not Spanish and uh, I can hear both sides of the story, um, just like any political issue. There's no easy answer. But the other thing, too, is the way I think the Spanish government is going about this is not the best way either. Uh, But today, in today's match, obviously, we saw that they didn't allow the people to come in and we were WhatsApping right before the game, because we didn't know if the game was going to go ahead or not. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, they decided to go ahead with the game because they couldn't afford to lose the six points. But uh, yeah, so that's that's going, that's going what's going on here. Everyone's kind of uh, either for Spain or Catalonia right now, basically.
0: Yeah, like all morning, uh, you and I were back and forth. And I was in communication with a couple of listeners. And we're going back and forth with these these reports that they're going to postpone the match or, you know, it's suspended for this weekend. Uh, and then the lineups were confirmed. I did I hadn't seen anything officially announced yet, and you and I were in touch, and I said, well, the lineups have been confirmed, so either, you know, they're going to play or maybe they'll make a last-minute decision. And sure enough, that's what they did. They made a last-minute decision to go ahead with the match because the, the league would not allow them – to postpone it so they were threatening a forfeit for this match and a three-point deduction from their overall score now in the in the midst of a larger political situation i mean again sport is maybe not the most important thing but then again you know we've been seeing lately in american sports how politics is making its way into the sporting world and I, i hear a lot of people criticizing that but i don't totally understand that criticism because the fact is our, our sports are such a major part of our culture, our popular culture, and what's going on around us in the moment. so why wouldn't politics get involved in sports i mean that's that's where the people are watching that's what the people are paying attention to they're not a pay, they're not paying attention to the news as much as they are to the sports so bring the news into the sports right so that's I sort of got off on a tangent there, but my point is uh <laughs> Actually, I don't know what my point is. (laughs) I just sort of flew off there. (laughs) okay, but going back to what you said about how – what you feel about how the Spanish government is not handling this well, I I could not agree more or more strongly. I mean, sure, maybe this vote is illegal and illegitimate by – under law, right? And the constitutional court in Spain has already deemed it so. Uh, That doesn't mean that you have to send riot police in to beat people up, hit people with clubs, and uh, confiscate ballot boxes. You could just let them go about their vote peacefully and then deal with it in the courts again. It's a much more peaceful solution. So, I mean, honestly, this is some authoritarian bullshit that's going on right now. (laughs)
1: Like, for example, um, I saw a video of the Guardia Civil, which is like the national police here. Um, confiscating the ballots, but the way they did it uh, with such force and such anger, you know, that's, they could have just easily just taken them away, create a blockade if they really wanted to do it peacefully, you know, but it's like the way they're coming across, it's just too much, you know, and like you said, I totally agree. They could have just let them uh, do the vote. And then have it go through the courts and then go through that. You know, there's a lot of steps that need to happen for, you know, we've talked about this before about how um, they need to do so many steps to become independent. This is one step, but also they haven't had a census. So I was watching different videos on Twitter and stuff, how different journalists were able to vote multiple times today. So that's another issue. So, you know. This is just like we were talking about in the U.S. sports with the NFL and that's going on. And here it's just it's really, really difficult to avoid politics and sport because it's just it's involved every day. We we consume it. It's it it's it's going to mix.
0: Yeah. And honestly, right now, I feel like uh, sports is more involved in politics than art is. And that's historically not been so much the case. You know, a lot of times art has been a place where. Uh, dialogue and discourse about politics and cultural issues comes up a lot. And it's not that that isn't happening, you know, but the, the fact is not as many people are paying attention to it as they are to sports. So I'm glad to see these kinds of developments happening around in the sport world.
1: Well, you know, like in the olden times, right? Like art was considered, you know, that's the popular culture. And now sports is so important to us. That's, you know, when we look back in history, these are the type of things that we're going to be looking at uh, with like for example, Colin Kaepernick doing the um, with the national anthem, what he's doing. You know, these are the type of moments that we're going to look back and say, okay, you know, maybe before, maybe two hundred years ago, the art world was taking, uh, you know, they were making a stance against authoritarian governments, and now it's it's sports. Yeah, absolutely,
0: and there there just wasn't as big of a sports world a uh, hundred years ago as as there is now. Now it's at the center of everything. But let's let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about the match itself. So we already mentioned this about how there was this uh, dispute or argument happening prior to the match that uh, would it be postponed or not. The club apparently wanted to uh, Barcelona wanted to suspend the match, play it, you know, reschedule it for another day. The league said no. If you don't go up. If you don't show up and play at the scheduled time, you're going to forfeit this match and we're going to penalize you three more points. So by not playing, Barcelona would have sacrificed six points in the table. And so the compromise, it seems to me like a compromise. And the fact is uh, the club issued a statement about why they were going to play behind closed doors. And it was very um, it was a little vague and very succinct. And it just said in light of the events surrounding or yeah it just said in light of recent events uh so i think in a lot of ways you can read into that whatever you want it becomes like a like a like an ink blot you know you could say oh well they did it behind closed doors as a show of solidarity or you could say they did it behind closed doors uh purely for security reasons and a lot of these things are probably at least a little bit true um it did make for a very
1: weird match it did and i i In a way, it was kind of cool to watch the match that way because for me, you can hear all the communication that goes on during the match and it just felt more personal. But obviously, uh, I would rather have different circumstance revolving this game with no crowd, right? Obviously. Uh, Yeah, it was definitely weird. You know, it's just echoes. You know, it just seemed like they were playing a scrimmage against it. I don't know. like Like I told you before, I had a really difficult time finding the video to watch this while I was trying to watch it. What were the um, the commentators saying on BN in the U.S.?
0: Oh, well, they were in the U.S., uh, BN commentators were talking a lot about how, yeah, you can hear everything that everyone is saying. You can, you can hear the managers and the players. And, like, you sent me a message during the game that commented on how loud the whistle is because, yeah, without the crowd and without the sound of the crowd there, you, you can hear all this stuff that you don't normally hear. You can hear every kick of the ball, uh, and it's it's strange. You can hear it. Everything echoing off of all the seats and the, the concrete in the stadium. Uh, and it's just bizarre. Uh, and so they were talking about the um, the political situation. They were talking about how uh, one of the vice presidents of FC Barcelona resigned because they agreed to play the match. Uh, that was Carles Villarubi. So Vice President Carlos Villarubi resigned over this decision to play the game, and, and apparently – so they were talking about that during the match. And part of that, I think, has to do with the fact that it wasn't a particularly exciting match, So, and they had to fill some time with uh, talking about other things. On the other hand, they had a lot of other things to talk
1: about. Yeah, when I was listening – so when I was looking for the game, I was listening to the radio the whole time, and they were always just commentating how weird it was without sound, without the crowd – and how they could really hear the communication because obviously I'm, well, I was listening in Spanish radio of the FC Barcelona website and obviously they can understand Spanish from the players. And it was just interesting to, to hear them dissect what was going on, especially like on free kicks. You can totally hear the goalkeeper maneuvering his team to the left, to the right, up high. Like it was just. So yeah, it was it was definitely a weird game, right? Like at the kickoff it just looked like a scrimmage, you know, just looked like a regular friendly scrimmage and then uh, I think it took the players probably about 20 minutes or so to get into the game because it just it just felt so weird. So uh yeah.
0: Well, I want to I want to bring the listeners in on your in, your fir, your initial review of the match. So this was just after the game had ended and you sent me a message. This is Gabriel's forward review of the Las Palmas Barcelona match. What a shit
1: game. So let's dig into that. Well, you know, it's funny. Like, you know, um, what would you rather have? Tell me this. What would you rather have? You know, it's like um, a shit sandwich or a free shit sandwich. You know, it's like, like, (laughs) like, I don't know, because we keep winning. So that's awesome. Like, we're winning the points. Maybe stylistically, it's not the most beautiful football I've ever seen. But for me... I'm okay with it because we're winning and these are the type of matches last year where we could have lost or tied or lost points. And I know it's still a work in progress. That's the biggest thing. But at the same time, we're still winning and like today, we didn't give up a goal. And so for me, that's always – like we talked about always in the early podcast. For me, that is super important to not allow so many goals like they did last year because in the tougher games that we're going to have to rely on the defense, you know? And so, yeah, it was a shit, it was a shit, uh, game, but what were your thoughts? What are your first thoughts on the game? Well, well,
0: before we get into that, uh,
1: what, in your mind, what made it a shit game? It's just boring, you know, like, (laughs) like for me, like, especially like when I had my moments of, of watching on the video, you know, I miss, it's funny. It's like, I miss seeing the tiki-taka of what we used to do. We're definitely being more aggressive attacking in the front. But I think also I'm just getting super frustrated with Luis Suarez lately. Like he's killing me with like his offsides, his um, his tactical uh, – not tactical, but like his first touch, for example. It's just like it's not as – He has always bothered me with yeah, his first and touch. And like today when I was – you know. Watching and also from the sporting game, it's like he gets the ball and he kind of doesn't know what he's going to do. And and then he kind of just falls into a goal, you know, like especially with the own goal against sporting. And so that – it's just not fluid. You know, obviously Messi is the only one that is that is keeping the team together basically on attacking. He's the one that's scoring goals. He had two more today. He could have had two more as well. Um, You know, he's the one that's keeping the team together. But again, aesthetically, it's just not – the tiki-taka that we're used to. And I guess I'm just trying to get used to this more direct style. I just kind of want a good mixture of tiki-taka, but also going attacking forward. And we're still trying to find our sea legs with that.
0: Okay, cool. Now that now that makes sense to me. I totally, I totally get that, and I understand everything you're saying. I did not feel like it was a shit game, uh, and I didn't feel like it was boring, though I'll have to admit, that's mostly because i was thinking about all of these other external things at the same time as watching the game so for me it actually felt really tense especially watching the way they were playing in that first half the first half especially was um i wouldn't say disappointing but i just i felt tension in in this in the squad right the way they were playing they they seemed like They seemed like they were trying so hard to be so attacking that they wound up giving the ball up a lot. They weren't focusing on possession, and you can see that in the numbers, right? Ultimately, at the end of the game, the possession numbers wound up to be about 50-50, which even that is weird for Barcelona, especially playing against a side like Las Palmas. I mean, they're playing some beautiful football, actually. I thought they had a, a lot of really good runs of play, and I was pretty impressed with Las Palmas overall. But normally, when Barcelona plays a team like Las Palmas, you expect at least 65 maybe even 70 or more percent possession and when they're not reaching those kinds of possession numbers you got to think okay well they're giving up the ball because they have the quality to hold on to it so why aren't they holding on to it and again at the end of that first half las palmas had 55 percent of the possession in that first half which to me is just an indicator of how kind of i don't know distracted or um trying too hard or being impatient barcelona was i felt like they were being really impatient and uh, i think you can attribute some of that to particular players i think vidal was really nervy in his game in the first half and we're i'm glad that uh, valverde took him out and replaced him for the second half right off the bat and that actually immediately cooled things down i think Paulinho wasn't having a good game either
1: uh but yeah so I felt all this tension watching the whole thing. <laughs> well, you know this I so this is the thing. Do you like would you feel more comfortable if it was a one nothing victory and we had 70% possession or 74% possession? Well, no, I mean, I'm I'm much happier with a three nothing result, but it's just that's how I was feeling I
0: while I was watching the game. Okay,
1: well, you know, this is the thing is that like, you know, with the with the tiki taka, we had the possession on it, but the thing we never really did was we never um, we were looking always for this perfect glorious goal, right? And that's how we were always trying to make the highlight real goals, these type of things. Now it just seems like lately we're going for so many opportunities because of the ratio. And now when we get that first goal, it pretty much means downhill from there because we keep attacking, we keep attacking. So for me, I kind of like, you know, when I, in the second half, I mean, how many shots does Suarez have? How many shots does Messi have? We were, we were always dangerous and willing to score, you know? So for me, I like that because in the big games, we're not going to be able to always tiki-taka and have 80% possession. The other thing I really love lately is the aggressiveness we have in set plays, especially corner kicks. Now all of a sudden we are an aerial threat. We uh Busquets scored a goal, the first goal off a corner kick. Man, Messi's pass on that was dangerous. Like I said, I told you when I used to play, I used to hate defending corner kicks. That's why when I played forward, I was like, okay, you guys got that in the back, I'll be up in the front for ready for the counter because I just hated the the scrum of it, you know, and I hate, I always hated knocking someone else's head. You know, when you knock heads, that, that feeling, you know, yeah. not the concussion feeling, oh, yeah. but just the, you know, that, that bone on bone type of thing, you know, and I, I always was scared of that. So I really am impressed with how Valverde has, uh, Val Green, sorry, Val Green has, um, has implemented a, we'll get to oh, that in a minute. I, I, yeah. <laughs> has implemented, uh, a more aggressive, uh, set play style and so that'll hopefully add to be more dangerous in bigger games as well
0: yeah no they're fantastic on uh on those set plays now much more threatening than they were over the last several years which is a nice thing to see because you know you want to maximize your your threats you want to be able to attack in a number of different ways and the more different ways that you can be a threat to your opponent then you know the greater edge you're going to have over them I just when I look at that possession number, well not just the possession number, right? It's not just a statistic, but what that statistic represents and sort of watching the game and how that statistic came about. They they were really just trying so hard. I think that they thought they could just play straight through Las Palmas that they could just bulldoze them um and it turned out that they couldn't. And then when they saw that, they didn't change anything. At least not in the first half. Valverde made a change to bring in Iniesta Bring in Rakitic and try and change the tempo and the the style of the game a little bit. And notice that that's when they scored the three goals is when they were taking more control of the game. Because it's not just about possession for possession's sake, I don't think. I mean, I think maybe some managers or some weeks that that squad is doing the possession thing and they're not really thinking about what they want to do with it. But like today, it was very mindful. He said, "Look, we want to dominate the game. We want to control the game and in order to control the game, we have to control the ball. And in the first half, they just weren't doing it And again, I think that Vidal was especially uh to blame for that.
1: <laughs> I mean he lost the b- at false. Yeah, he i mean he was my man in the match last episode, you know in one of the games he played really well. He was a winger doing all the the things that we want him to do as a winger, but today was the total opposite. He lost the ball a bunch of times. He looked weak on the ball. Um, he looked like he was lacking confidence. So these are the type of things. But again, I cannot stress this enough about Val Green and his adaptation to the games, each individual games, and how he's doing that. Because like I said, those are the type of things, those little adjustments, those little tactical things in April and in uh in March in the Champions League, when we're in the last, hopefully the last eight. Those are going to be the differences that's gonna allow us to move on to different rounds. And so I've been really, really impressed with Val Green's uh adjustments at halftime, especially like today. Like he's like, Okay, well no, this is not happening. Iniesta, you're going back in. And of course, we get the victory. And Iniesta only played half the game too. So it's a win win, right? So we get to save Iniesta's legs as well. So Val Green so far, man, you are on fire.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We love we love him. We're very happy with everything he's done. And yeah, all these little adjustments. I mean, even just looking at the initial lineup, you know, there's a a certain pattern that I've noticed that if Vidal starts, uh, then Sergi Roberto is going to also start. And the two of them are going to have a a very particular kind of partnership on the right side. Sergi sometimes going forward and Vidal also sometimes going forward, but they're often there for each other. Sergi can play anywhere. He's so versatile. And we saw that on Tuesday against Sporting. But on Sunday against Las Palmas, you know, if Vidal plays, then Sergi's going to play. If Sergi plays, Vidal will probably be on the, on the bench or not. We don't know. But I'm just saying, like, there's this interesting pattern with the lineups. Once they make those initial lineups, they announce the lineups and the uh, TV networks and everything, they put them into a formation. And with Barcelona, they always put them into a four-three three, just about. So they find a way to make this a four-three three. But I was looking at at that lineup and it really felt more like a four-four-two kind of situation, right? You know that Sergio Roberto is going to be on right back and Vidal is going to be maybe playing right wing-ish, but he doesn't go forward that often. He's more starting off in more of a midfield kind of situation. And so you had Dennis on the left. Vidal on the right, and then Paulinho and Busquets in the middle, which is also kind of strange. So then it becomes almost like a 4 1 3 2. I mean, of course, with Barcelona, there's just so much role changing and rotation that you can't even assign one formation code to the whole game, right? But as far as their initial setup, I felt like it was more of a 4 4 2. Vidal not so much playing winger in this match as much as he was playing. More like a like a
1: right midfielder. Okay, so I have uh, a Sophie's Choice for you. You know Sophie's. You know <laughs> Sophie's Choice, the movie, right? It's impossible. I can't do yes, it. Yes. So I have a uh, Sophie's Choice for you: Sergio Roberto or your new microphone. Ooh.
0: <laughs> I, okay. So I have to admit, um, my girlfriend called me out on this just the other day. I have a total man crush on Sergio Roberto. He's <laughs> I think, and I'm going to get into this also. He was my man of the match in the sporting. Of course he was. I just, of course he was. Love him. I love him so much. Uh, but no, I think I'd have to go with the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) This is the RE320 by Electro Voice. I will have you. Okay. All right.
1: Yeah. I was, I was, you know, you know, I was talking with your girlfriend the other day and we both were worried about your, your man crush on Sergio Roberto, you know, (laughs) You're getting lost in his eyes and in his play on the field. I, I, Have you looked <laughs> at his eyes? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I you know, I love me a little Sergio Roberto as well. I just love his versatility. And um, Barcelona has asked so much of him in the last four years. And, again, he's, he's come up with the goods. And I really like his trajectory <clears throat> in the uh, Barca team of what he's doing. He's playing with a lot of confidence when he plays, when he gets the time. He plays well, and he's just doing what Val Green asked him to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, he, yeah, he just seems like so much more of a team player lately. Even when he's put into right back, he's he doesn't seem so, I don't know, discouraged as he was last year and the year before playing right back. Uh, he I don't know. I think that he has a better sense of purpose, and I have to attribute that to the manager Giving him encouragement and probably you know working him up well.
1: And do you also think that it could also be that uh, Val Green actually talks to the team and lets them know his plan and strategy, as opposed to Luis Enrique, who would just not do that? So I think that has a big, you know, you go up to Sergio Roberto and you say, "Hey, Bob, Serge, Bob, uh, I'm going to play you. Um, you know, you're going to play twenty of the thirty matches. You're either going to play right back, and sometimes you're going to play winger. You know, that's my plan for you. As long as he's honest with the player." The player will respect and be willing to do everything he can. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. And it does really seem like Valverde just has a way of um, bringing everyone together, bringing everyone on the squad together, and getting behind him. And they seem to really believe in him. And I think, just like you're pointing out, the way he communicates with them, he gets everyone on board and um, backing him up. And he and they know that he's backing them up, and he's sort of pulling for them, which is which is great.
1: So let's get into our man of the match. Um, who is your man of the match, Ryan? You know,
0: honestly, i that's a really tough call. You know, I, I don't think anyone particularly stood out. Now, of course, that is with the caveat that we don't allow ourselves to call Messi the man of the match because he has now been um, – he has ascended into, into Barca Talk Heaven as man of the match for all time but uh <laughs> so so given that it's it's hard to make a choice i'll say this um the 70 minute goal from messi how about that assist from dennis that was pretty sick it was a great pass perfect waiting perfect timing he he caught messi just before he was would have been in an offside position and then messi put it home so i i think dennis did not have an incredible game um but I think that he is continuing to develop and he was looking pretty good in this game. I you know if you talk about the faults um, that were happening in the first half with Barcelona, I think you could maybe say that Denis made a few mistakes and yet he was the one who stayed on the pitch while Paulinho and Vidal came out. You know, And I think that that could have gone maybe another way potentially so I, I think that uh, I'm gonna pick Denny as my man of the match but it's it's a, it's kind of a it's like a soft man of the match
1: all right so basically you stole my man of the match so I will I will ah. I will adjust mine and pick my second guy I'll pick Iniesta you know Iniesta played the only the second half obviously he just brings a a calming storm to to the to the team um just you know possessing the ball as always doing his magic dribbling. And, you know, just having giving opportunities to the team for attacking. Um, I will just add a couple things for Dennis Suarez. He's definitely um, getting better with his connection with Suarez and Messi, which is always key. And on that second goal, you can just see the passing was just perfect timing. And that just comes from playing a couple games before learning the timing with Messi and Suarez. And that pass was just a beautiful pass. And Messi, of course. He just made the goalkeeper look so silly on that goal. It was just, how does he do that? With just a, such a simple touch, how does touch. he do that? I mean, it's not simple, but Messi makes
0: it look simple.
1: I mean, like I said, he just touches
0: it. He just touches it with his foot. his
1: first touch is the best. We say the best first touch I've ever seen. And and in that goal, you can just see the, the Suarez game a pretty good paced pass. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't the the easiest pass to handle. And Messi just just he just balleted around the goalkeeper, an empty netter, you know?
0: Yeah, and um, it, like he he cradled it <laughs> with his touch so that he took all the juice out of it. So Suarez gives him this this pass, a short pass, but clearly one with a lot of pace on it. But Messi's foot just says, no, let me take all the energy out of that and just point you this way. And later, goalkeeper. And, and he, yeah, he just dances it in like he does.
1: <laughs> so what are we going to do with Mr fighting man himself, Luis Suarez. What, what, what's, what's your feeling? Are you nervous? I'll tell you personally, I think uh, he needs to, I don't know, he just needs to work on his offsides. That That is just killing me so much because he's not getting to rhythm with the offsides. He thinks he's about to score and then he gets whistled for offside. And obviously he needs to play because he does so many other things on the field. But, man, he's just he just looks lost out there
0: yeah he needs to work on his timing but see the funny thing is uh i think a lot of i think a lot of managers and defensive lines have somehow like got him figured out like i don't know maybe he has some kind of a tell so that back lines know when to push up a little bit to catch him offside uh although at the same time i'm not seeing a whole lot of that happening. It's mostly that he he goes just a little bit too early. I mean, he would probably say that he's getting the pass too late, but I don't know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Like it's it's on him to stay on side. I think and that's the one thing that I think he does need to work on because that's something that he could, if he practiced, actually improve considerably. Whereas the other thing about him that bugs me is his first touch, which is not great. And of course he's not a great dribbler. Uh, if you get him into open space, he can run on you and he and he can get past a defender, but he can't get past two. And when you mark him really tight and if you're clipping at his heels, you're, you're probably going to get the ball off of him more often than not. So – his first touch is the most annoying thing to me, but that's the kind of thing where like at his age, he's probably not going to get a much better first touch than he has right now. So we got to just kind of deal with that. Now, on the other hand, like you said, he, he does have to play because he does offer so much. I mean, he's a killer finisher and just his presence on the field changes the composition of the game, the way he can stretch out a defense just by his positioning. And he does get into really good positions and he's a great player. I mean, he was involved with that other goal that that was a really beautiful goal, a tiki taka goal right? Messi to, to Rakitic to Suarez back to Messi goal. I mean, you know, that's that's your tiki-taka satisfaction there. But yeah, what are we going to do with Suarez? We're going to hope for the best and hope he doesn't bite
1: anybody. And also, we need to give him a new shirt, too, because he tore it off today as well. I mean, this guy, you know, he's just, he's, he's such a hothead, man. He's just, man, you just never know if he's going to fly off the deep end, you know? So... Yeah, he seems like
0: he's having a hard time. And I wonder if that might be uh, related to the recent you know, violence that broke out in Uruguay, although apparently that happens a lot. He came out this week uh, speaking out against violence in football. Uh, there was a particularly bad incident with players and spectators. um attacking referees uh, that sort of thing in uruguay in montevideo and so i don't know maybe that what's on his mind maybe something about the political situation even though he's not spanish or catalan he doesn't exactly have a horse in the race but maybe the just the general tension around he does seem oddly like a sensitive guy but he's also a macho uruguayan footballer and so like that, that kind that sensitivity comes out in these oddly violent ways sometimes um, you know, you know, gotta smash the patriarchy, but
1: <laughs> but uh, you're, you're yeah, you are you uh, are a resident psychologist, and I'll be our resident uh, body expert.
0: Yeah, you could be the body language expert, body I'll be language. the psychologist, yeah, and the uh the social theorist. There you go.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I I think uh, hopefully if I I think that there is something going on in his head that might be slightly off the pitch that could be affecting how he is playing and how he's dealing with his performance. Uh because yeah, the the shirt tear, that was particularly odd and unnecessary. They were already up 3 nothing. It's Yeah. You know, your team is ahead, you can just say, "All right, try again, try again." And normally he does cuz he's used to taking a lot of shots or trying, you know, taking a lot of chances and missing a good number, you know, he's used to that. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe something else is going on right now.
1: Well, we're going to see if uh Val Green can crack the safe with that and just get him to play with more confidence and get him some more goals. I think he will. I just think that Suarez is just trying to get used to his new position on the, on the team with the new tactical strategy. I think it'll just take some time. Whereas, you know, Messi's like a learning computer, right? So you just tell him, I'm going to need you to do this. And he like adapts in like two seconds. Cause he's a genius, right? Whereas Suarez may take some, you know, a little bit longer. You know, when Suarez first joined Barcelona, it took him a while you know maybe like two months or so to really get the four through three of his positioning and all so maybe it's just another uh, adaptation to that as well
0: yeah and he's going through his growing pains dealing with that whereas yeah messi is like he's like neo you know you just you just plug him in and suddenly he knows kung fu right
1: yeah whoa kung fu <laughs> <laughs> whoa <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, so let's talk about some club news. And you know what's funny? This was going to be our top story this week because it seemed to be like the biggest story affecting the club. And then and then Sunday happened. Uh but let's get into this. So over the week, um Agosti Benedito threw in the towel on the no confidence effort. He needed sixteen thousand five hundred and seventy signatures. He only had 12,500 by the 27th of September and then of course he and the club had disagreed on the deadline they said the 27th he said October 2nd but of course the club holds all the power in that situation he says he could have gotten all the signatures he needed uh, if he had more time and I think he probably could have uh, but then ultimately by the 27th he still only had those 12,500 He said he was expecting more in the mail, and then he probably could have gathered more at the Las Palmas game. But again, that's assuming that Sunday didn't go down the way it did go down. Uh, He's not going to mount another campaign, Um, and apparently he's had all the forms destroyed by a notary. Uh, Apparently he said that uh, countless people have demanded that I do not give their information to the club in the case we did not hit the target because they do not trust the board. Which I think might have be, been a little bit of extra politicking on Benedito's part, but
1: yeah, he just needed more time. He just needed like what six more months or something. I mean, uh, <laughs> another man, year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If he only had more time, you know, um, yeah. Especially, imagine if he banked, if he banked everything to get those last signatures on today's game, and then it goes there, and then obviously what happened today. Oh my gosh! Like, yeah, unfortunately, he didn't get the signatures. You know, I. It's funny because. When we started recording the, this podcast together, you know, this was obviously one of the topics that we were talking about, and I really strongly believed that he would able he was going to achieve the goal, but then like reading and talking to people here, I realized that a lot of the associates are older and they're not really into like this type of movement and shaking the boat. So once I started reading and listening and, and understanding more of the socies in, in Barcelona and Catalonia and stuff that actually have the power to do the vote and all this stuff, I was starting to lean that he wasn't going to get enough signatures. And then obviously in the last episodes, we were talking that it just didn't look good with the numbers. Um, Yeah. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that. Hopefully, the board listened. Uh, maybe they got a little scared. I don't know. But I still... Man, I wish he would have got enough signatures to, to bring it to a vote because then I think the board would have had to pay attention because then the board would have had to, you know, uh, bring Bartomeo up to counter whoever the other people were going to bring up. And so, unfortunately, it didn't happen. And yeah, so we got to keep this board now until what, uh, two more years? 2021, or so? four more and years. Yippee.
0: Well, okay. So here's a question, Um, and this actually comes back to uh, the political events in Catalonia on Sunday, but it also ties in with this no confidence effort in the state of the board. So we did get a message on Instagram from uh, from our buddy Don Marlin five zero three. He says the videos coming from Barcelona are heartbreaking i understand the decision to not allow fans in the stadium to avoid rioting but historically the club has given catalunya a voice do you think there's going to be a shake-up in the board because of this and he says now more than ever uh hashtag masqueon club uh he went with spanish on that
1: <laughs> but that's cool uh
0: whatever language you speak more than a club masqueon club masqueon club it's all good uh i so i mean already there's been a shakeup in the board because one vice president has already resigned and i think i heard a report that another vice president has also resigned just because they decided to play this match so when you combine that with uh, whatever message might be sent by the 12,500 some signatures that benedito did get is bartomeo now and the board going to i don't know sh- shift things around maybe make a different approach try something different what do you think
1: well i think actually it might uh help bartimeo because now he could put another puppet in there for him you know that that could be another situation so shaking it up yeah you know this guy some people on the board were you know really uh, adamant of not playing this match they were so adamant that they resigned their position that's a really strong position to hold but now i also think that bartimeo could just put more puppets and he doesn't have any controversy on his board going forward, so it could go worse. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. It could go worse. He could have more yes men on his board supporting him day in and day out.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, I don't think anything's going to change at least not in the opposite direction of the way that things have been going under him. Uh, Brian, how many
1: people are on the board i don't I don't know how many do you know how many people are on the board? Do you have Google? <laughs> I do have a Google machine, so let me take a look here. I, there is 20 people and yeah, so 20 people on the board. So if more people resign, let's say five or so, um, we don't know if Bartimeo could bring in more puppets or what's going to happen. So that'll be an interesting, uh, sidebar to follow in the coming week.
0: Well, when a, when a new president comes in, don't they bring in their, their own board or? Can they hold on to people who are already there? I mean, d- d- doesn't I thought it worked kind of like a like a presidential administration. You can you know you can make new appointments.
1: Yeah, it could be. You know, I, that seems like the most reasonable. But I'm just not sure. Obviously, we'll find out either today or tomorrow when the news comes out of more people resigning, and we'll see what the next process is.
0: Yeah, but I yeah I think there's a good chance that essentially either nothing will change, which at this point might be. The best possible scenario, because otherwise I think it the, the things that we've been complaining about, the things that the people who are complaining are complaining about uh there's just gonna get worse there's just gonna be more of it um, and just you know. but I was also but I was also mentioning the uh, strategic plan, which if if you haven't mm. looked at it, uh, check out FC Barcelona's website. They do have the strategic plan available it's about a two or three page sort of a spreadsheet presentation style thing. It's not a particularly verbose document. You can check it out. And under their sporting goals, their only sporting goal is to win one of the three competitions per year. So as long as the team wins La Liga or the Copa del Rey or the Champions League, any one of those, the club is happy and or the directors are happy and they're meeting their goals. So at least... If you win more, great. But if you only have to win the one in order for the board to be able to say, well, we've done our job, we've met our goals, we've met our objectives. And, you know, of course, trebles don't just roll along every year. It's a very difficult thing to do. And the fact that Barcelona has won as many trebles as they have in the last 10 years is just testament to how great they've been over the last 10 years. But I think that
1: it would be nice to maybe set your goals a little higher. Exactly. I'm look I have it up right now. I'm taking a look at it. So yeah, you're right. So one of every three titles each season. This is pretty interesting. I never knew they had this. Uh you you would It's actually pretty cool cuz you at least you can't fault them, right? Cuz they they're like, yeah, we won Copa del Rey this year and it's like it's it's in line with their strategy. Uh you would think I think it's a really cool idea. Like you said though, I would I would hope to aim a little bit higher, but, you know, what, what did we say last year last episode was to uh aim low and overperform, like that type of thing. So yeah. Yeah, you exactly. lower
0: expectations so that you can yeah. exceed them. I think more it easily. says
1: here actually to win the gamper trophy is okay. So <laughs> In the, in the is that what it's called <laughs> just bring in just bring in
0: some patsy team yeah not that Chapa Suenze this year were yeah, a patsy yeah. team it, it was actually I think a lovely gesture that they made inviting Chapa Suenze yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. play was, the gamper. I was just kidding I was but, just kidding I was kidding I mean when was the last time Barca didn't win the gamper?
1: Yeah, yeah yeah exactly probably but no, I was, ago. no it's actually really interesting because it, it lays out everything on a, an amazing PDF format uh, easy for downloadable access and, yeah, so it lays out the whole strategy. So you can't really fault them going forward. They can always go back to this and say, look, we hit all our goals. And so yeah. we're, we're, we're doing a great job.
0: We're in line. We are meeting the goals we set for ourselves. And, exactly. you know, in the end, isn't that all you really do? You're really only competing with yourself. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or,
1: or or Or, yeah, exactly. You're just competing with yourself.
0: <laughs> all right. So I think now let's talk about – the Valverde val green issue it has become an issue this week because uh, we got an email from a listener and i have to say this listener uh is very complimentary and i'm pretty sure that he left a positive review for us in the itunes store which we're very thankful for and we're even thankful for this this email we might ultimately disagree a little bit but that's okay it's fine. Uh, we really appreciate him reaching out. So this came from Victor, uh, just right through the email box. Uh, and he says, Gentlemen, thank you for the time and energy with your pod. As an English-only speaking Kule, I appreciate what you're doing. I do need some help with something. You have to help me understand this Val Green thing. I feel like a manager with an 8-0 record and now 9-0 shouldn't have his name butchered. Yes, it's a literal translation, but he isn't Andre Gomeshit, and I do like that a lot, or someone who has frustrated the fans. I'm sharing because hearing Val Green repeated feels disrespectful and simply grinds on my ears. Please consider ceasing. So thank you again, Victor, for sending that email in. I think that you do make a valid point uh, to a degree, but uh, we, we do have a response, and I want to make sure... To, to note that we want to respond in dissent, but kindly and compassionately.
1: So our, you know, I speak Spanish, and obviously I know verde means green, yeah? But with the show, we want to, our goal is to create a community of coolays and make it lighthearted. And so, for example, we had Val Green as a hashtag to try to get more awareness of our podcast and so forth but we also want to make it lighthearted and fun as well and doing the val green thing is something that i came up with because i love nicknames i love giving nicknames just like last week in our twitter poll we finally decided we're going to call Paulinho what brian what Paul- are we going to call
0: him oh he's going to be called paulie
1: yeah so paulie won so from now on we're going to be calling him paulie and it just kind of just Puts a nice little spin i I give all my friends nicknames because I just think it's fun, especially from different scenarios and I just think that you know I disrespectfully disagree. I like these these funny little nicknames, so Val Green will live forever,
0: yeah, and also I think that we have been very clear that we really like val Green uh, as the manager, we appreciate him very much and he keeps delivering and keeps impressing us uh i mean those those many years that he spent managing in bilbao and uh, i forget where he was managing before that but he's very experienced and uh, we're very appreciative to have him and we have uh, the utmost respect for him uh, that being said also in light of this sort of political events happening in catalonia right now i think that trying to create a sense of um closeness with these players and managers uh, a kind of familiarity is what it really boils down to it's about treating him like not like a buddy or a pal because we don't actually know him or anything but we want to feel like we do because we want to feel closer to the club and closer to him and doing that giving him this nickname it's a very simple one is a is one way for us to do that to feel like we're somehow closer to him and more connected with him in a kind of familiar way and so it's it's actually out of out of respect that we we call him this in in this in this particular way but also i think it's you know he's a football manager he's a very good football manager um, but at the end of the day, he's also just a football manager and he's someone who you know we we respect, but we also I think can kind of joke around with. I mean, that's one of the other nice things about sport is that you know there's sport and then there's life, and sport is ultimately going to be a more lighthearted thing than life.
1: Can I also applaud Victor on that nickname? Because that nickname for Andre Gomez is is amazing. I think we should almost implement it into our uh, nickname forum of Kool-Aid's, you know, but... Uh, well, yeah, I'm
0: trying I mean, to be t- nicer. I'm trying to be nicer to Gomes. Uh, you know, he came in as a sub against Las Palmas, and for the minutes that he played, I think he actually did a fairly decent job. Uh, you know, he's not seeing many minutes now under Val Green, um, and I'm trying to just be nicer to him. So I, I do love it, but I want to only reserve it for when he has a particularly bad game. You're too positive...
1: <laughs> I just, i'm trying to be i just want to be kind yeah i mean of course right because he's on our team and so forth and if he plays well we do better so i i totally understand that but i just i just don't like his game at all as i've mentioned in earlier episodes but sure. yeah so thanks victor for the email hopefully uh val green doesn't grind on your ears too much in the future
0: yeah, and again, thank you for listening and thank you for reviews, which brings me very nicely into talking about this uh, this giveaway thing that we are still doing. So for all of you iTunes users, remember to rate and review Barca Talk in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and you could win a subscription to FCB's premium video. So that's good for 12 months, and that's going to take you comfortably into the start of the 2018 season. Your iTunes review is your entry into this giveaway, so so do that. So more than likely, you're listening on your iPhone right now, and if you have the new iOS 11, you can actually just scroll down past the episodes and rate and review it right now. It's not as cumbersome or weird to find as it used to be. Uh, so we kicked this off last week, and we've had about 10 reviews come in. Uh, which is great, but if I'm totally honest, I want more. I want so many more. I want a hundred reviews, ideally, because those sorts of things are what help the show grow. Um, and eventually, maybe Gabriel and I can can start getting some scratch into into the game here.
1: Help us! Help us
0: get paid. Yeah, help us. <laughs> help you. And you don't have to give a super wordy review. In fact, one of my favorite reviews this show has ever received just said, you is good, with five stars, and that's all you need to do. And we'll give you a year of Barca's premium video for free. Um, so if you could do that, awesome. Thanks a lot.
1: Yeah, and that that premium video is, is pretty amazing. Uh, just, for example, this past week I was trying to find the sporting uh, game from Wednesday, and it was really difficult to find a replay of that. So I really wished... I would have left a review so that I could get this premium video so I can get those games to rewatch them. Because sometimes when you're watching the game, you don't get the, full. I don't know, you, maybe sometimes like for me, especially, I'm just kind of watching the game, the score, you know, talking with friends. Sometimes I need to repeat it to watch again, especially when we're doing the podcast review and rate the players and so forth. But that premium video subscription is money.
0: Yeah. And especially with the champions league matches, Those are available two hours after the match is over on the uh, FCB premium video. The La Liga matches are available, I think, two days after. So you have to wait a little bit longer. To watch those, but the Champions League matches are available just two hours after they're done, which is a very cool feature. And they, they worked out a good deal with the
1: UEFA or whatever to be able to do that. And also you get, um, all the best matches in Barca's history in the last six years. So for example, like the AC Milan comeback victory in the Champions League, like five years ago, you can watch that in full the PSG game, for example. So, and also it's an HD quality and you can pick your language. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So rate and review us on iTunes and get your name in the hat for this prize. So let's, uh, let's take a quick look at La
0: Liga. Now uh, we're recording this prior to Real Madrid's match, but going in to this weekend, uh, they are in sixth place with only 11 points and they're playing Espanol, of course, our assumption is that they're going to win that match. And so they're going to wind up with, with 14 points, uh, which still keeps Barcelona 7 points ahead. Now, Sevilla also, again, looking pretty strong for being Sevilla. They uh, defeated Malaga 2 to nothing, and they're staying in second place. Again, uh, maybe the outcome of some other matches might influence that. But um, they have 16 points. Valencia is there with 15 And Atletico Madrid drew against Leganes, so they're stuck at fifteen points. So best case scenario, uh, Real Madrid will rise in the table to maybe fifth place. And of course, we know that they're going to keep. They're going to start winning more. They're going to rise in the table. Other teams are going to drop points. The only thing that we're concerned about, I guess, is whether Barcelona drops points. But amazingly, they have not dropped any points
1: yet. They're still. Unbeaten. Yeah, so I don't know if this is really legal review, but uh, did you uh, did you see the Real Madrid game, uh, the Champions League? They just came out full force against Borussia. They beat them. So again, it just goes back to what we were talking about last week that Real Madrid's going to put all their focus on Champions League first, then La Liga second. They looked super strong against Borussia, who is a is a great team, a good team. Unfortunately, our wonder kid did not play. He only played the last ten minutes and didn't really do anything. He didn't have an impact uh atletico a really bad week really bad week they lost to chelsea chelsea just outclassed them completely and also they're playing in the new wanda stadium so you would think that atletico would have fared better uh they weathered the storm for the first 20 minutes of the game they got the lead but morata just had a great game and chelsea looked looks to be a really good team for the champions league this year so i'd let to go with this tie You know, again, we talk about this. Atletico, man, they're such a tough team to follow because they'll have a great performance the week before and then they'll have a bad week like this. But they're our next opponent after the international break. So that's going to be a tough match. And it's at the Wanda Valencia. I'm not too worried about them, but Sevilla, they're going to be, they're going to be there for a while because also I think they're only playing the Europa, Europa League or. Maybe they're on the they're in the champions, and so they're going to be yeah yeah they're in the champions. But they're a strong team again. They they have a good team, especially with your boy Nava's playing. I give I think that gives them another boost up there in the front that they haven't had before. They also have Nolito, great player. Uh, so they're 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 going to be up there in the top four. But like what we said, it's it's always going to be between most likely Real Madrid and Barca for the league this year.
0: Yeah, it's just teams like Sevilla are uh, the ones that we want to be careful about as far as uh, dropping points against. Them.
1: Have you seen any of the matches of Sevilla by chance? I know you've been busy and stuff, but have you ever seen? Have you seen them this year? Uh, no,
0: not yet. I would love to have some free time to watch more games. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to see them yet. Um, just from reading and and uh, listening to uh, some other podcasts about La Liga, the Sevilla looks to be pretty strong this year. So. We'll see how they they fare um, against Barca. They play Barca in November, and it's going to be at the at the Camp Nou, so that'll be good for us to get them at home first.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the Champions League and talk about the match uh, that happened on Tuesday in Lisbon against Sporting CP. So uh, Barcelona won, uh, so that's good. Uh, it was a 1-0 win, uh, officially with an own goal off of Coates. And... Uh, I mean, where do you start with this game? Honestly, the most notable thing that probably happened was a fan running onto the pitch to meet Messi and kissing his boot.
1: Could could that kid be the man of the match? Because this game was super bad, super boring. Let me tell you my my viewing experience with this. I went to my friend's house who hadn't seen in a while. There were so many good games that night. It was PSG against Bayern, Chelsea against Atleti. You know, I love football. And I was feeling confident that they were going to beat sporting. So we put the Champions League, uh, simulcast where they shows all the games, basically. So I didn't get to watch this, this game completely, but I, I was following on Twitter and so forth. But man, it's, I watched the replay too. Cause I, I, I wanted to see for myself, but man, it just, we had some opportunities. We had our strongest team against Tomato looked great. Our defense looked better, but also, you know, it's just, This is Sporting's Super Bowl, you know. At home, they're gonna they they're a good team. They're a professional team, and they they came to play. And it was a tough place to play. It's a tough place to play. They they really gave it to us, you know. But like you said, we got the victory, and we just keep moving on. Did you how? Where did you watch the match?
0: I watched it at home on my on my computer. Um, and I used the actually used the FCB Premium Video feature because. I don't own a TV and I'm not saying that in like a hipster way. I just I have been broke for many years and I have not needed a TV, so I just don't have one. So every all the entertainment I watch, I watch on my computer, which of course is getting easier and easier now. So it's I don't necessarily need one, although I think we're going to buy one in the near future. But uh so I was watching it on my computer at home um the actually the day after the match uh, because I was really busy um, when they were playing it with school stuff and that sort of thing. but So I, I had some time on uh, another day to watch it. And yeah, Sporting were very tough. And I think probably the most telling thing, if if you're into reading into statistics, just look at the six yellow cards that Sporting earned. I mean, they were playing them very physically and very tough and fouling them a lot and I think some of those yellow cards were a little soft. The referee, I think, was giving them a little bit too easily on maybe one or two occasions. But still, they were just playing them really tough and getting really physical with them. And Barca were not responding in kind. Uh, they weren't really getting past their defense. And you got to hand it to Mathieu, honestly. Mathieu, remember Mathieu, the defender who was unceremoniously released from Barca over the summer? He had a really good game for sporting. Like, he stepped up and he stopped a number of chances that could have made the score much, uh, much worse in Barca's favor or much better in Barca's favor. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a, a good center back. I just don't think he's the center back for, like, Barca playing the tiki taka out of the back style. I think that's his weakest part, but he's a strong defender, and I, I'm I'm pretty positive that he gave them the scouting report to Sporting of what they could do to rile them up or to uh, frustrate Barca. And that's what that's how I would counter. I would be as physical as possible to Barca, especially now without Xavi. Uh, we they could be pushed around a, a bunch on the field, but again. Barcelona had opportunities to score. They made the most of that uh one opportunity with their own goal, obviously it was chaos in the box again from another set play. you know again, from that distance it's almost like another corner kick, but from a different angle and in years past, they would have done a short pass, probably, and they didn't, and that chaos created that goal so yeah, so you know again, we're still at the top of the table, great, you know, another victory again, it wasn't the prettiest game. I had a hard time rewatching it. I just I would have rather, I don't know, written something, uh, an essay or something, because it was, it was pretty hard to watch. But, uh, yeah, but again, the most important thing, they got the points. Yeah. All right. So let's do man of the match. Let's start with you. All right. So my man of the match is Umtiti. Uh, Umtiti is rapidly becoming one of my favorite players on the team. I just love the way he's a beast. He's just a beast on defense. And he's so confident on the ball. He's, he, I didn't, I didn't think he was going to be this good playing with PK, uh, having the passing ability that he does, but also just being physical. He's just, oh, he's just going to get better and better. And I have here in my notes, is he becoming the new Puyol? Because he's kind of like, he kind of has like this, like, uh, leadership quality of not being the loudest, but leads by example and being really good. Like Puyol, you know, like Puyol, wasn't the loudest guy. He just kinda led by example. And first of all, I miss Puyol. That guy was so badass. But anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Umtiti is growing into that type of role. You know, like imagine Umtiti with long hair. I see it. Puyol right there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about another foot in height. <laughs> exactly. And uh, you know, he's like he's like Puyol 2.0, like faster, stronger, taller, you know, like this type of thing. <laughs> So like pull you. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Umtiti had a really strong match so he was my man of the match. Who was yours?
0: My boy Sergi. <laughs> well, okay, okay, here's Did you did, you, did no. you send
1: him some roses or what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if he got them. <laughs> I haven't seen them on Instagram yet, but, yeah, I sent them. No, I sent him a dozen roses. Thanks for running so hard on the park. No, okay. Uh, so, yeah, Sergi was my man of the match, and here's why. Um, he was all over the place, right, but not in some uncontrolled, chaotic way. He was actually very much in control. He was reading the game, running hard, and he was linking up with Samedo, Messi, Rakitic. And then there was that super key pass that he made to Suarez, For a shot that was ultimately blocked, you know, but had Suarez put that away, it would have been an assist. He had a lot of hustle. Now, let me get into this. All right. So he made one key pass in the 27th minute. So on that play, that key pass to Suarez, he's actually out of position because he was mostly playing on the right. But this this play saw him sort of drift from right from right over to left. All right. So now here's how it goes down. PK with the ball around the halfway line sergi starts a run on the outside right but he's getting marked pretty closely pass doesn't come so he cuts in and back up a few yards he leaves the defender behind and now the pass comes from Piquet. so sergi dishes it off to busquets he heads downfield and even more to the left in the meantime busquets has given the ball to iniesta who now plays it to sergi again with suarez making a run just ahead of him Two defenders are following Suarez, so Sergi now has a little bit of room to run. And then he sends it to Suarez at, I believe, the perfect moment, a great pass. Suarez gets the shot off, but it's blocked. And the play didn't stop there, but it, it ended with Messi's headed shot uh, being held by the goalkeeper. But, I mean, just the the way that Sergio Roberto moved through that play, and he was so instrumental in all parts of it, he didn't do anything wrong. There wasn't a goal. A goal didn't come from it, but... It certainly wasn't for lack of him, and he was involved in every phase of that. Wow!
1: <laughs> Did I just blow your mind? You, mind blown! Like wow, <laughs> that that is quite the description of the play. I feel like I was right there uh, on the on the touch line. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, we like we can't pick messy anymore. That's our that's our thing. So you, our rule. Yeah, yeah, it's our rule. So, you know like you have the stats here, you know, Sergio Riverto definitely had a strong game. Uh, I, I wouldn't uh, be mad at him for getting that. Um, I just think Uptiti was just the, especially in this type of game, that was a more of a street fight. He held the back line um well, and we didn't allow a goal again. So keeping the shutout streak alive on that for champions league. So, yeah, I mean, you know, with this team, again, our boy, Tomato had another great game, especially on the goal. Um, you know, the player, uh, had to hold him because he was running past him. But man, when we have that lineup, you know, it would just, I don't know. Sergio Roberto, I feel confident for him as a winger better than Alex Vidal, right? Or Delafeu right now. So yeah. I think, I think going forward, I think that's a good lineup to have. It's our defense is, is strong and we still have really good flexibility in attacking. So. Yeah, moving forward,
0: I think whenever Semedo gets the start, then we'd be more likely to see Sergi on, like, right wing rather than Delafeu. at least while Dembele is out. You know, once, De- once Dembele is back from injury, we'll see what happens. We'll see how the rotation starts working. But if Semedo gets a start on right back, I, I don't see how you wouldn't want to play Sergi Roberto
1: somewhere on the pitch. Exactly. And, you know, Semedo, PK um tt and alba it's a really formidable back line now with attacking options speed and of course you know physicality which we didn't really have before you know uh just adding tomato just gives us so much physicality that we were lacking for the, like the last you know for a long time i mean danny alba's was a great right back but he, physical he was not <laughs> physical, right was, absolutely yeah.
0: that's true and um yeah, I totally agree. And also, you know, it's occurring to me, I guess we we have an unofficial rule. Maybe we should make it a spoken rule that apparently we can't pick the same player as man of the match. Because, of course, our goal here is to not so much pick man of the match. We're not in the business of just, like, making power rankings. That's I don't think that's really what our goal here is. It, our goal here is to highlight players and their contribution. And, of course, we have to – we we always recognize Messi's contribution because it's always – A big contribution even if it's just how he draws players to him because they have to cover him so hard but we just don't pick Messi as as our quote-unquote man of the match and we just want to feature other players but yeah I guess there's we also are operating under the unspoken rule that uh, whoever I choose you should choose someone else and because I took Denny's
1: well the thing is I know you're always going to pick Sergio Roberto so I can just pick (laughs) anyone else on the team so that's the other thing (laughs)
0: Not every time not every time,
1: <laughs> I mean, the only thing that Sergio Roberto needs to do is like walk on water and turn water into wine, you know, and then he's just the best guy for you
0: I mean honestly, all he needs to do is walk on the pitch, and I'm happy, <laughs> <laughs> but so moving forward uh this this coming week, there's going to be an international break, no club matches, uh so what we're going to do next week is we're going to check in with the international play, and I do have a, a topic that I want to bring up with you. About that, But uh, since we have the time and no club matches to talk about, we're also going to maybe check in with the B squad, uh, the women's team and the youth. We're going to talk about the youths, the two youths, the two youths. Um, But also, I figured this would be an interesting time to talk about Iniesta next week, uh, because Valverde has been using Iniesta a lot more than Luis Enrique did. And it's really paying off. Iniesta has come alive again in a way that we haven't seen in a few years. And of course, we were always thinking that it was because of maybe his age, he was in decline, but turns out that's maybe not the case. And we're going to look at the details of his return uh, to the core starting 11 under Valverde next week. Now, as far as international break is concerned, Argentina seems to be, I think, the main topic for me, because currently they're in fifth place in the South American competition. If they stay there, uh, they'd have to go to a playoff, to actually compete in Russia next year. They're playing Peru and Ecuador in this next break. And Peru could be decisive because they're level on points with Argentina, but ahead in the group having won seven matches to Argentina's six. And their last game against each other in the qualifiers ended in a 2-2 draw. So that match alone could make or break Argentina's chances. But uh, Ecuador won't be an easy game either. In fact, Argentina lost to Ecuador in their last game back in 2015. So they're playing Ecuador. That could be a tough one. Um, The bright side is that uh, Sampaoli, who did a great job with the Chilean team, has been managing Argentina starting just this year. And if he can get the squad together, I think he can get them into the finals in Russia without having to go to a playoff. But the big thing is imagine the 2018 World Cup without Argentina and without Messi, because this is most likely going to be his last World Cup.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be most likely his last World Cup, but I I think they'll they'll qualify. I think that they'll be able to pull it together. I just don't understand with Argentina, they have so much talent on that team. They should be able just to copy the four three three of Barca and just have Messi do his role and the other players fill in as well. Have Agüero, have Di Maria, like have all these really great Argentina players just fill those roles. But I think it's they're just trying too much, right? And people are definitely panicking. It's definitely a situation because they do not want to play against Australia or New Zealand or whoever they have to play for the playoff. Because that's just another two games you have to play and fly across the world to do that. I'm more worried about the U.S. That's another one. You know, are the they US, in danger of oh, not making it? Oh my gosh, they are. They are. They have two tough games coming up, and you know Jurgen Klinsmann and all the promises he promised us. You know, he just man it. The U.S. soccer program is in shambles. If they don't pull this out, man, they may not qualify for the World Cup. And that – for me, that's scarier because they should always qualify coming out of the CONCACAF. But uh, yeah, Argentina as well. Um, is. Do you know Brazil or um, – Brazil has tidally just they, – they've clinched it.
0: Brazil wow. has clinched the top of the South American um, qualifiers. So they're not in danger at all. Um, and I forget who's in the other spots, but I think Uruguay is in second. But um, also a quick correction. Um, Klinsman is no longer managing the U.S. men's national team. It's Bruce Army now, isn't it?
1: Uh, no, it's not, well, it's Bruce Arena's, but Bruce yeah, Arena. Yes. Yeah, God yeah, damn it. Yeah, Why yeah, don't, yeah,
0: yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I called him Dick Army for some reason. And, <laughs> and someone corrected me saying Bruce Arena. And then I, so I took the Bruce, but I, I kept the, yeah, Army. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it though. Bruce I think Army. I just
0: want to call him Dick Army just because there, there
1: you go. Dick Army. No, yeah. Jurgen is no longer there. Thank God. But, uh, we have recycled Bruce Arena. Uh, we have pulled him out of the trash to, to to lead the U.S. soccer team to World Cup qualifying. We'll see what he does. And, yeah, I'm worried about that more than Argentina. I mean, obviously, I would love to see Messi in the World Cup. But at the same time, me being American, I want U.S. soccer to be in the World Cup at least. So, yeah.
0: Okay. So we're going to check in with all of that and uh, as well as all the other things that I just mentioned next week on Barca Barca Talk <laughs> Thank you all right thank you again everyone for listening be a part of the show give us your comments your questions topics you'd like us to discuss visit us at barcetalk.net and uh, you can call the phone line to hear your own voice on the show if you want the number is 716-795-2853 and don't forget to rate and review on itunes for a chance to get a one-year subscription to fc barcelona's premium video on us you'll hear from us again next week until then i'm brian henderson I'm Gabriel Kiroga. This is Barca Talk. Visca Barca. Visca Barca.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.